It is Jordan Groshan's season, baby. He has been promoted, added to the 40-man, straight into the 26-28-man. And starting at third base this evening against the Philadelphia Phillies, Avi Garcia to the IL. Jorge Soler remains on the IL, and we know now his season is over. We're going to dig into that plus, of course. Previewing Sandy Alcantara's start tonight, this evening, on today's Locked On Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. It's the Tuesday episode. I hope everyone is doing well. Um, I, of course, am your host, Peter Pratt. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, guys, at Marlins underscore UK. Please subscribe to the pod. It's free and available wherever you get your pods. And it's a daily pod, five episodes a week, even in September. Yes, even in September, still five episodes. And if you are watching, hello and greetings and welcome to my living room. And you will see Sean Barrett is back with me. Sean, how are we doing, brother? I'm doing well, Pete. Yeah, late into September now. Not mm. much not much more to suffer through now, but we get a <laughs> shot in the arm today, if that's what you want to call it. Bit of excitement, maybe. Yeah. Um, all, all this sort of late season, we've talked about reasons to watch. And, and maybe we've got an added one today. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. The big news. Jordan Groshans uh, will be making his Marlins this evening. He is in the, the lineup. We haven't seen the official lineups, but uh, the rumor is he is in the lineup. He is playing third base, which is interesting, and he's hitting the nine hole. So, you know, the Marlins are easing, easing him into the mix. However, there, it would be wrong of me not to talk about the offensive explosion yesterday. The Marlins, they put up a 10-spot double dig in a game. First time since 2012, I think. It has been a long time. The Marlins put together an eight-run fifth inning. Um, Charles LeBlanc had two doubles in the inning. <laughs> Absolutely insane um, work, uh, as, I, as I kind of teased out. I was at a charity golf day, so I was off mainly finding balls in the rough all day, if I'm completely honest. But nevertheless, I missed all of the action live, which was disappointing because there was a UK friendly. Actually, that was the snoozer. The Marlins were vintage in the, in the UK friendly, so I'm glad I missed it. But the US friendly, 10 runs put up. They split the series. Sean, any key takeaways from this? Uh, from these two, these two games? A very brief doubleheader. Yeah, so I caught, caught bits of the UK-friendly game, and uh, as you said, yeah, pretty much uh, business as usual. So to wake <laughs> up to that to that yeah. result was quite a surprise. Um, takeaways, not really, is that at this point in the stage of the year. I mean, Bertie with two stolen bases, currently leading the league in stolen bases in, in yeah. very part-time appearances. I mean, if he can get that crown, that's, that's something, isn't it? Um, we'll take and, anything at this stage, Sean. We yeah, will. Absolutely. And after a struggled a year where he struggled last year, um, he's really bounced back. Um, and to me, he's he's an asset that the Marlins will will carry on into next year. Um, you know, he's, he's cheap on a cheap arbitration year. So, and at his age, he's never going to get too expensive. So, yeah, no, I think that's that's one thing that you can take away from from that game is that Bertie is one of those locked in guys that you know I'm excited to see him play next year. 
Yeah, it's an interesting pathway with Birdie, I think. We haven't really spoken about him a ton on Lockdown Marlins, it feels, over the past you know, past few months, really. But it's funny, going into the season, right, he was, you know, the, the designated utility guy, and, you know, he was kind of in and whatever, obviously ended last year. At one point, weren't even certain the future of, you know, Birdie with the Marlins. But nevertheless... Um, the injury started to pile up. Birdie came in. He had this kind of stolen base streak that's insane. It's interesting with Birdie. Do you see him even, you know, being an everyday player, albeit maybe at different positions in 23? Like, is that going to be his new role now, do we think? I think the role for Birdie and the way I would like to see him utilised is that he's an everyday player, not necessarily your starting third baseman or your starting yeah. second baseman, but a guy that's going to play four or five games a week, a guy that's going to get 500 at-bats. You know, he's he's proven himself now over a period of basically his whole major league career that he is a he's a major league batter, you know, just slightly above 100 WRC plus, that kind of level of play. And when you can play across all the, the positions, that's an asset to have. If you look at where we were early in the season with Astadio, oh, God love him. He was fantastic and a lot of fun. But you knew fun. when you were watching him play that this just wasn't a major league product. Uh, yeah. With Bertie, you know, every day you're going to get decent defense a decent bat the speed obviously still plays he is a guy that any team in major league baseball would find at bats for so why wouldn't the marlins yeah no doubt no doubt I, i'm i'm really impressed the way the birdies emerged this year really am because like i said it was you know concerning times the back end of 21 are you surprised though they haven't maybe and i understand why because they're they're maybe thinking about other guys just seeing what they've got but are you surprised they haven't give Birdie a bit of a run in centre field a little bit more. I'm just thinking, projecting ahead, you know, middle infield, maybe crowded too. Where are you going to find these at-bats for Birdie? I, I think the centre field riddle and puzzle still remains. We don't know what the off-season will bring, but I'm slightly surprised that Birdie hasn't spent more time in centre field. But again, I understand why, you know, Bladé's around, Burdick's around, De La Cruz, you know, Jesus Sanchez the early part of the year. But what about you on that one? I think he could probably play there. I mean, as you said, he's played a couple of games there this year. But we've had we've had that situation where we've had a lot of outfield bats that we've had to try and find room for, and we've kind of cycled through them and, and you know given up on a couple of them at this point now as well. Yeah. I think the struggles we had with the injuries meant that Bertie was always going to be more utilised in the infield. Uh, but you know, realistically, he could play double-digit games at every position, apart from catcher and pitcher next year, and you wouldn't be surprised, would you? No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't, and it's it's a huge asset. Like it truly is to have that versatility with a, a you know major league level bat, the speed on the bases, and you know it, it, the whole package is is really is really nice for the fish. He's been a great find. Um, I again, it would be wrong of me not to talk about your guy, Cooper Loop. He is back, baby. Cooper Loop is absolutely back with a bang again yesterday in game two. Um, you know, a couple of RBIs again. It's, he's really turned a corner now again, which is great to see. Those two months were real tough for him. But, you know, into September, he's he's caught he's caught fire again, which is great to see. I, I'd expect Coop to really finish this year strong. Um, overall assessment of Coop Loop now, I know it's uh, rose-tinted glasses for you, of course. Absolutely. And the fact that I haven't been talking about him too much proves, you know, how much we uh, struggled in the second half. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the first half was all-star. You know, all-star level. Yeah. You know, the, it wasn't a... It wasn't a you know, an honorary position, although he had to slide backwards into it. 
Mm-hmm. He, his numbers deserve to be an all-star. And then since then, yeah, he's struggled. And there's been an injury here and a knock there. There hasn't been anything too substantial, but every time he seems to... He comes back quickly, but isn't the same coup. Um And I was worried that we weren't going to see that for the rest of the season. So the fact that since he's come back, a couple of multi-hit games, you know... He's hitting pretty much every day at this point. I think I've only seen the one get one or two games where he hasn't got a knock. So yeah. Coop's starting to hit a bit more like what we saw in that first half. Gives me a bit of hope. And and as you said, I'm going to go into next year fully believing that he's gonna he's gonna put up all those numbers. And I, I think he is. That's what he is at this point. Yeah, he is a very good bat. He is a guy that can can be that number two or number three hitter for for a playoff caliber team when healthy. Um, and that's always going to be the knock on him. Um, but he just gets unlucky, doesn't he? He just yeah, thinks, he does. things seem to hit him, whether that's a runner while he's fielding at first or the amount of times he gets hit by a pitch or fouls the ball off himself. He's yeah. just a little bit sort of unlucky in that sense. Agreed. Uh, the Marlins uh, will certainly need a backup plan to Cooper Loop uh, heading into the year, but I'm with you. We can ink him in. And for me, the way things are trending right now, I was a little bit uncertain what the future holds, but I'm... It's crystallizing in my mind. Again, we don't know what the offseason is going to bring, but I'm minor elements and don't really go heavy on trades or upgrades, which is possible, which is possible, but we'll see. I'm going to put Coop in at first base. I think we just lock him in there. I think, you know, he takes the majority of playing time at first base specifically. There's too many other guys that I think we need in that DH role. And I think Coop is perfectly serviceable there. They can cycle it, but the way things with Leo and Diaz have played out, uh, I think that the Cooper Loop's going to need to, yeah, going to need to play a lot of time there. Unless, of course, they they completely go away from this and, and enter the free agent market. There are a few interesting first base free agents knocking around. I think we've already been burned by the free agent market uh, very recently, so I'd be surprised if they go down that path. Okay, I think that brings us up to speed. Let's get our ad queued up into that and then we can get really get into Jordan Groshans and we can also get into Sandy uh look ahead to what is a uh in some ways a very interesting uh mid-September game for the Marlins much more interesting than the last couple that's for sure and I think the attendance showed that yesterday I did see Isaac Azut saying he thought there was about 100 people in the ballpark for game one which um was maybe not that far off the mark he was maybe a thousand or two short but nevertheless guys um delighted to uh bring to you this episode and it is brought to you by good friends at Bet Online at BetOnline.net. It's your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. You can find all the latest uh, football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week games. Boy, oh boy, there was a lot of wild ones in week one, no doubt. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events. It includes Major League Baseball, of course, MMA, boxing, and golf. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Sean, this evening's game, Jordan Groshans is starting. Um, are you surprised at the call-up now? I guess the corresponding move, we must say, is Avisel Garcia to the IL. So I guess... Then, if everything went to plan, was perhaps that we didn't see Groshans. Avi was back. This is like an emergency call-up, right? In many ways, it's it's off the back of an injury. Um, so, I guess 
surprising isn't really the question. Maybe it's the, the other way of thinking about it. Are you surprised that they hadn't actually tried to make this happen in September earlier than this? And actually, it takes an injury to get Groshans up to have a look. A guy that is Rule 5 or was Rule 5 eligible now isn't. Um, it felt like a missed opportunity for the Marlins in a lost season to have not brought him up earlier. What about you? To a certain degree. I mean, we've talked a lot about these young guys and coming up and are we going to see enough? Uh, at 22 years old, are we going to see? Would we have seen enough from Groshans in a month's pl- uh, play? Not really. So that's why I am surprised with 20 or so games left to play mm. that they've made this decision. Yeah. You know, we are ultimately playing for nothing at this point. So it, would it surprise me if they brought up this a quad a guy that just you know is going to fill fill a seat? That's kind of what I would have been expecting. So I am genuinely surprised to see him. And and, mm. and with that, I'm also rather excited to see him play. So, Me too. Uh, he's Me he's too. done what he's, he's needed to do in the minor leagues since he's come over. You know, he's, he's hitting well. Um, and it, I think the main question for me is where they're going to fit him, not just for the rest of this year, but also I think that will give us some idea or inkling as to what they expect to do with him next year, which is obviously the more exciting prospect. Yeah, that uh, this is the interesting part, right? Because he's up and is in the lineup and is playing third base, which is interesting. Um, the Marlins are, are kind of cycling dudes around. You've got a plethora of guys that are kind of being are either playing third base or second base teams, like short in the main, and Miggy's just there, you know, doing his thing. I think it's really interesting that they they promote him. And they've obviously been cycling Brian Anderson back into third base as well. Uh, I find it very interesting that they don't just plumb him straight into shortstop. They've got maybe they're easing him in, but I mean, are you really being eased in at third base? I'm not sure, to be honest. Um, I, I've, I've never played the game, so I couldn't tell you. But I, I'm just surprised that if they make that decision, Miggy's calling out that his wrist has been dead since July. Like, Groshans has been playing shortstop just Put him in at shortstop. Why not? What about that? It's a bit of a surprising one for me that they they kind of look to tweak him and put him at the third base, which is unfamiliar. When you're making your debut, for me, you want familiarity. You want to feel comfortable. You're looking around the field going, I know where I'm at and I know what I'm doing, rather than, oh, I'm at third base and it's my major league debut and, oh, what's going to happen here? Hopefully a ball doesn't come at me hard. <laughs> I mean, he's played both positions, so there is that is the question. Is he a shortstop? Is he a third baseman? Yeah. Um, he's be- better, apparently, defensively at third, but then the, the, the lack of power, does that make you a third baseman? Um, and it's funny that you've mentioned, you know, we've had Bertie in third base, we've had BA, we've had Wendell, um, and now we're bringing up Groshans. And that, you know, that teases into where I've been in my head with with my stat of the day when we get okay. to it. So Perfect. I'm really interested to see that's, that's where your mind was at. But, you know, in my mind, Groshans, I think, if he can grow into some power, because he is still young, you can project a little bit of power, maybe. Um, if he's better defensively at third, do, is that where they put him, with BA being an expensive, well, relatively expensive arbitration year, Miggy being that gold glove shortstop, yeah, even though the bats tailed off this year? You know, I think I think the question is, where do, where do they fit him? And I think they're, they're going to give him every opportunity in September, and in the off-season, playing probably some winter ball somewhere and spring training to sort of try and fit to where they need to put him. Yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting to to track him and, and his Marlins career. What I would say, and I was thinking about this before the pod, that uh, Kim Ang 
has traded for him. She's made this deal. For me, Kim, I don't think has whiffed on a trade yet, to be honest with you. Um, okay, you could maybe point to the Adam Duvall-Jackson uh, trade and say that that one didn't work out for the fish. But other than that, I struggle to really think of any that we've whiffed on. And actually, the majority of them, we've we've heavily won. And they didn't send... And, you know, the Bassman still had that year um, for the fish. It wasn't like they had to dump him. They, they've made this move. They must obviously like Jordan Groshans a lot, in my opinion. With that being said, I trust Kim. I trust her in the trade machine. She's very good in that in that arena. Free agent world, and that was maybe Derek Jeter's fault, um, but free agent world will wait and see what she can do this offseason. But for me, her trades have pretty much been spot on, and I'm with that, I, I trust her eye in this one. And so I'm intrigued to see what we get. And the reality is, let's kind of call it out, he's landed and he's just hit at both levels. He's been a double A AA and triple A, hit at both levels straight away, uh, acclimatized well, and he deserves this promotion. He does, and he, he deserves some at-bats and, you know, very intrigued to see what, what he can do. You And, and then it takes us to, you know, net, you know go into the, the off-season into spring. Sean, there's so many guys now that all look kind of similar, and in, in, to be honest with you, with, with Groshans maybe, um, LeBlanc, Wendell, Birdie, Brian Anderson in some ways. Like, there's a ton of guys here now that, oh boy, in some ways, like, they have real similar profiles. And none of them are power hitters. Let's call that out. And the Marlins were lacking some serious power. They're all kind of like gap hitters a little bit. And, you know, it's deep. And it's a little bit underwhelming for an offense that has been so underpowered this year. The fact that we're, you know, we've got five, six guys that all kind of profile in a similar way. And um, it's not generally going to lead to a huge amount of bombs next year. But I know you had a stat of the day queued up, and I think this might be a good time to to bring that to life, perhaps, because you were you were digging into third base specifically. So I'll I'll hand you the reins, and you can uh, add some color to this one. So yeah, we, we're talking a bit uh, about third base, and, and I was looking at BA originally, um, and the idea that Groshans coming up and is he a third baseman without the power? And it got to me, me to thinking about third basemen for the Marlins with power. Mm. <laughs> Honestly, it really hasn't been that great. No. So if we look at we look at the guys from 2021 to 2022. Um, so this all started with BA. So 575 plate appearances over those two years. That's how just roughly how many BAs had playing 50% or more of his games at third base. And you look across the league, there are 28 guys that have had that many plate appearances playing half their games at third baseman. So these are starting third baseman for the league. And you go for power. I'm not going to give you any advanced stats or anything like that. Third yeah. base is a power-hitting position. You expect home runs. So over that length of period of time, the Marlins actually are carrying three of the four worst players in baseball, in John Bertie, Jerry Wendell, and B.A. Okay. <laughs> they, they they do not get any power from third base. No. So Bertie has seven, Wendell 14, BA has 15. You've got guys in the 60s. You've got five guys hitting 60 home runs over that period of time. So the idea we're saying about Groshans that he's going to come up and he's, but he's not got any power at third base, well, we're pretty used to that already, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a surprise that it's, it's that night and day how bad the Marlins are. 
and it's it's historical as well. I think the last player in the top 15 in home runs for third baseman was 2008, and that was um, Jorge Cantu. So nearly 15 years of having nobody at third base with power. I'm thinking Martin Prado, uh, yeah. I'm thinking Casey McGeehee, uh, Wes Helms for a couple of years. Third base for the Marlins for a long, long time has not been a power-hitting position. Um, and with Groshans, it looks like nothing's going to change anytime soon, unfortunately. Yeah, agreed. If 15's the mark, I mean, boy, when you look across the league at the moment, you know, like the cutoff there, I mean, I only think of the good teams. It's, it's one of those, you think, what are the good teams getting at third base? What's the production looking like? And, you know, you, you only you don't have to look too far down the road, I guess. Obviously, the, the Atlanta Braves have the the absolute elite third baseman in Austin Riley. He's at, he's at 36 home runs this year, so <laughs> significant power from that position. You know, in, you know, in the, uh, at the NL, you got Machado at 28 um, with the Padres. They're in the wild card spot. Nolan Arenado for the Cardinals, 28. They're leading the division. Um, who else we got? Brandon Jury's Dur- playing mainly at first base, though. Um, Chapman at the at the Blue Jays. Yeah, Muncy's there. He's uh, they kind of mix and match the Dodgers anyway. Muncy's hit 19. Escobar with the Mets has hit 17. So I think that's a good kind of you know your your kind of 15 as a cutoff i think is a good cutoff of, of it shows where you start to get into the the above average and for the fact that Marlins haven't had you know any for, for so long um is is a testament we need power the thing is and this is the question and the follow up is ba healthy i mean for me i feel like ba healthy all year that that is there and that kind of what takes us back to this this point of what are the Marlins going to do with ba like, if they can get him to look after himself or he can avoid these injuries, and we've, it feels like we're saying this about every player on the roster, but healthy BA for me hits more than 15 homers in the season. Um, I, I, I don't know, but that, I feel like he profiles at least that level. What about you? I think his, his most is 20 in the season, mm. uh, 2019. And I think that, that put him outside of the top 15 in that year for third baseman anyway that year. So right. it's not like he's an elite you know, power-hitting guy. But also, we, we've got to factor in the, the cost. You know, he's yep. now late in arbitration. And if you're going to get, you know, 15 home runs, 260 with good defense at third base, are you really going to be spending the, you know, the 10 million or close to that to pay for him when you've got Groshans who, as you said, they, they've brought in and Kim obviously likes. I think, I think realistically, they've brought him in with the idea that BA is not with us next year. That's where my mind is. Yeah, I, to be honest with you, I I think there was a Donny Presser on Sunday, I want to say, and there was a, a little soundbite that came out of that, that that got me thinking about that too. The language he was using was leaning to that as well. And I know when uh, Joe Frasara was on the show recently, you know, Joe, I think, was aligned with that. Um, I think we're maybe in that, that phase with BA now where it's it's unlikely that they're going to, that may, you know, it's going to be, Maybe a trade, uh, the the arbitration number, whatever it might be, which makes sense. Like it does make sense. Um, I do think that again, it's one of them. It's hard to you know move on from these guys when you know it's there. Like you know, in in some ways, the tools are there. And BA hitting like you know playing elite third base defense. If he can get back to that and hitting seven in the lineup in a good lineup, like Escobar's been doing for the Mets, it'd be a perfect fit. This is all about for the fish. 
everyone's trying to step up to the be to be the guy. And it's so hard to do that. And you can't just be one guy in a, in a lineup. It just doesn't work that way. We've seen that with, with the Angels. They're the perfect use case where one guy doesn't create wins. Uh, the only team where that does work is, is Aaron Judge and the Yankees, seemingly. But, um, you know, the, the Marlins are probably going to move on from B.A. And he's probably going to go to a team. I actually think the Mets are a wonderful fit. I don't know Escobar's contract situation. But um, if they do need a third baseman, that could be a real nice fit. And, you know, hit seven, eight in the lineup. B.A. had come alive there, and he'd chip in with 15 to 20 home runs, and everybody go, whoa, Brian Anderson, what a player. So it's so hard for the fish. There's just like, it, it's it, it, you can't compare the lineups, really. You know, the, the Mets and, and the Marlins, it's so wildly different. Makes it hard. Nevertheless, I'm really intrigued to see where we go. I'm with you. I don't think B.A.'s around, and I think this is an audition for the third base of the future. And putting his best foot forward, he's actually playing well. I do have a, the reservation I have is, is, is this uh, Brian De La Cruz 2.0? I have the sense that I wonder if this is a De- Going into 23, would you feel okay about LeBlanc at third base as your starting third baseman? Maybe kind of mixing and matching Wendell and Birdie? I, I don't know. What's, where's your head at with that? Would I, would I feel bad? Probably not. Would I feel good? Definitely not. Probably not. No. It's, it's that situation where we've just got into the NFL season, haven't we? And you, when yeah. you talk about if a team's got two quarterbacks, they don't really have a quarterback. And that's where the Marlins are at the moment with their hating, isn't it? They've got they've got seven guys battling to be the, the bench bat. And realistically, <laughs> you're, you're starting five of them. So that's really where the Marlins are at the moment. Yes, there's probably a guy that could be an everyday starter, but the rest of them really should be bench bats. Uh, and, you know, it is a case of finding finding a role for them. <laughs> the Marlins have got the deepest bench in all of baseball, I think. But the problem is no starters. <laughs> they need a 15-man bench, I think. But anyway, um, Sean, let's finish up here. Sandy Alcantara goes this evening. Um, we're going to run out of time here. I, wanted, I did want to get into Avi and Jorge Soler, but let's park that one for another day. Uh, that conversation can happen down the road. We have to talk about Sandy, mate. He's going against the Phils last time out. Was against the Phils. Uh, we saw it against the Dodgers where uh, he went up against the Dodgers. Actually, has this been – this it was on the road last time in Philadelphia, right? Now it's back home in, in Miami. So similar situation to the, Do- the Dodgers one on the road, had a bit of tap, albeit um, some of that was attributed to some poor fielding defensively. There was that whiff from Blade, um in center field, and actually we saw another bit of that yesterday. It was one of the only highlights I saw of game one. Uh, where Bladé misplayed one in center field again. It's been a bad week for him. Let's not deviate into Bladé. We'll talk about that another day. Um, but for me, Sandy on a bounce back against a team he's just faced coming back home. For me, everything trends to Sandy Alcantara going seven, eight, or nine, nine innings today. Off the back of a double header, gassed, Don Mattingly is saying, Sandy, we need 120 out of you and nine innings. Can Sandy do it this evening? I mean, you can do it. We've seen him do it before. I mean, it's crazy that, as you said last time out, you got knocked about a bit, five unearned runs, but only three earned and a quality start. I mean, this is where we are with Sandy at the moment. This is what Star Youngs do. When they haven't got their best stuff, they still go out there and throw a quality start. I do expect him to bounce back. Um, And, you know, it is a a case of, yeah, we've got Groshans coming up. We've got Sandy on the mound. These are the games late in September that get the juice flowing a little bit. Um, compared to <laughs> the rest of the game, which unfortunately um, they were a struggle, aren't they? Yeah, it's been a struggle, no doubt. Um, but you're right. There's some extra juice, Sandy, and Sandy's beach. She'll be going here in in, in Miami. 
Um, let's hope you know there's guys in in the ballpark. I'm sure there will be because the Phils are in the hunt. No reason why the Phils won't be packing out in uh, in Lone Depot as well, adding some some juice to that. Sandy going a Groshan's debut. The lineup isn't actually asses in there, but you know we know that Groshan's at third. Or we assume we do. It's been reported he's in at third. For us to to get our eyeballs on, we do have maybe two minutes left. So I just want to get your take very briefly on blood, the Blood A situation. Obviously had that whiff in that Sandy start last time out, which was the most routine of fly balls you could ever get. Like that is that's the type of thing that Theo throws to me in the garden. And it was it was that routine. Different situation yesterday, though, slightly. It was more, you know, all he should he should make the play on. But I mean, he misjudged it a little bit and, you know, whatever. So I think, again, with Blood A, you know, we know Sender isn't natural for him. Um, that it, he is actually going to end up shifting into one of these corner spots here. I think the Marlins would love him to emerge into a center fielder. But I, I'm just not seeing that, that that is the most likely outcome here. Probably needs to shift into the corner and basically become Michael Conforto 2.0, in my opinion. But what about you on Blood A and center field? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've seen the situation before, haven't we, where you're taking a, a corner outfield young player and you're forcing them into centre field when they've got to learn the major leagues. They've got to learn hitting at the major league. You're putting too much pressure on them, aren't you? I think yeah. he's play, He's starting to play himself out of the centre field role. And, and to be fair, that's yeah, probably good. the right decision to make. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I actually took quite a nice fly ball this weekend, so... Um, I feel like I would have. Had, I think I would have had a better crack at it myself <laughs> as well. So um, I've been beating up on him a little bit about it, but yeah, I mean it is mm-hmm, a case of mm-hmm. he's a right fielder by trade, um, and that's what yeah. you know the Marlins are doing him a disservice by forcing him into a, you know a, a round peg into a you know a square hole. Yeah, uh, that would fit. That, wouldn't it? <laughs> a, a round a round peg. In, yeah, peg no, in, no, 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 no. Anyway. We're getting back here now. This is exactly what Joe Passaro said a good few weeks back, and it was completely correct. That, you know, the Marlins had some of the guys, but they just didn't have the right positions. Round peg, square peg, round holes. I think it might have been uh, the official. Uh, <laughs> but you know, you make a really interesting point because Jesus Sanchez this year, by forcing him into center field, getting him, you know, having to exert all this kind of mental strain, pressure, effort in in the outfield constantly has the impact on the bat. Next thing is, well, that's it for Jesus. Let's let's bring up a few others, see what we've got. Exactly the same to Blade. Put him up and make him play center field. And rather than just, like, go into right... And Anderson's been in right field. We don't need BA in right field. Like, you know, let, let Blade go out there so he doesn't have to worry about center field and just... just get into the hitting. Just concentrate and, you know, get yourself... And it goes back to the point I made earlier... Just put Birdie in center field. Like, just plug him in there so everyone else, all the young guys, because what we need, what we don't need, is these rookies taking one for the team. What I'd like to see is one of the vets stand up and say, hey, I'll play center field so the other guys can learn the game at their own pace without the pressure of having to play center field. Maybe that's what the Marlins should have been doing here instead they're going down the same they've gone through with multiple players trying to get them to learn a new position in a in the major leagues doesn't make a ton of sense i understand what they're trying to do center fielders and good ones don't grow on trees and so like ideally they luck out with jesus sanchez or blood a and they become 
you know, an above average center fielder. But for me, I'd like to see one of the one of the vets put their hands up and say, listen, Donnie, or analytics guy in the, you know, the, wherever you sit, um, put me in center, let the guys concentrate on hitting, and then we'll be all good. I don't know. Final thoughts on that one, then we'll get out of here. No, I think it, yeah, I think you're right. I think Bertie is one of those guys that, you know, he doesn't, his bat isn't exactly what, you know, brings him to the show. It is that versatility defensively. It is that speed. You know, every time he's on base, he's going to be a threat. So, you know, he doesn't hit much. You know, he hits well enough. He, he gets on base as well. He'll work a walk. So yeah. I think I think playing centre field would be less of a stress for him. He's an experienced pro now. He's He's been yeah. around the circuit a couple of years. Uh, you know, it probably would work, especially better for Blade. I mean, the idea that we've got this blue yeah. prospect and, and at the moment, you know, he's hitting below the Mendoza line and, and you know, the pressure is on him. You know, he doesn't yeah. need to be thinking about playing centre as well. That's the point I'm making. We've got these young prospects that we're trying to develop. Why create this situation? And maybe that's just the thing. It's maybe a sink or swim mentality in, in, in the Marlins organisation. I don't know how they approach these things, but... That's it. You know, Birdie, he's an experienced major league vet now, and he won't have to exert the mental capacity or space. Uh, maybe he will. I mean, center field is tough and, you know, goes back to, you know, it's uh, we, we had the guy in the building and we didn't we didn't make the move. But nevertheless, uh, I think that is an interesting topic. We'll revisit that one down the line. And I want to revisit as well and get into uh, the Abby Garcia, Jorge Soler. They're going to both end the season on the IL, as will Jazz Chisholm. So, a big part of this Marlins offense that was projected um, to end the year on the IL, which, you know, okay, it's been underperformance as well from Avi, but I would say Soler was on pace to deliver what I was expecting out of Soler. Jazz Chisholm was perhaps overperforming. Um, and so those two guys, real difference makers for this lineup. And I think it was clear as soon as they both went out of the lineup, it never recovered. Nevertheless, um, that's us done for Tuesday's episode of Locked on Marlins. Guys, I appreciate every appreciate everyone that is still with us, still with us for the ride. I know it's a tough grind in September with the Marlins, but there are things to be excited about with Sandy and Groshans, no doubt about it. And uh, for me, the Phillies and Marlins are always fun, fun series. So uh, we're going to be back tomorrow, of course, because it's a daily pod, guys. And um, we'll see how it goes. Sean may be back. So uh, we'll wait and see on that. We'll see how the game goes. He's also got baseball himself. Uh, so he's working on his center field action as well, perhaps as well. So in the meantime, guys, that's me, Peter Pratt, Sean Barrett, out of here for Tuesday's episode of Lockdown Marlins. And we are back tomorrow on Wednesday's episode. See you then.